I don't know if it's just me, but there was a point at my life early on when I heard Psalm 121, I heard it wrong and it stuck. I lift up to my eyes, from whence comes my help? I guess there must have been some King James version in the mix somewhere. Or I think the other possibility is that I heard it quoted out of context. I honestly think the most likely suspect is from the TV show Little House on the Prairie. Whatever it was, the mix of King James and the TV show, whatever, my takeaway for a long time, I don't know if it's anyone else's, my takeaway was that my help will come from the hills. I got it in my head wrong at some point, and there it lived, looking to the hills for my help. When I was a kid, there were relatively few spiritual practices. Mostly, there were morning devotions. That meant, in my house, my dad sitting in his chair in the corner of the living room reading his Bible, or looking out the front window into the middle distance, praying, I assumed. Very occasionally, it meant fasting. Not for us kids, but I remember hearing dad talk about it once in a while. He'd preach about it. Mostly, though, spiritual practices really just meant starting off the day with reading and prayer and maybe a little writing. That was it. Censuring prayer and meditation, walking a labyrinth, taking Sabbath, practicing hospitality, all of those came much later. What remained constant was my sense, is my sense, that I don't do any of it enough. As a pastor, I pretty regularly have the opportunity to self-report on my spiritual life. In order to maintain my ordination standing, I fill out questionnaires that cover things like continuing ed, but they also ask about my personal spiritual life. I write grants that ask about my personal prayer habits. And I always feel like I'm stretching the truth. Not like lying, but literally like stretching the truth to cover what I think the committee expects. I mean, yes, I do often sit and write and pray and read the Bible in a chair in the corner of my living room in the morning, but not as often as I plan to. Certainly not as often as I think some regional minister wants me to. Not as often as I think granting bodies want me to. Not as much as I think they would take as a sign of my faithfulness. Plus, there's a side effect of my expanded sense of what counts as a spiritual practice. I mean, now it could be reading poetry, journaling, silence, breath prayer. The side effect is that I don't know which one to take up. Am I allowed to just choose? I mean, shouldn't I be doing something regularly? Like consistently? Isn't that the point of a practice? To do it again and again until I get better at it? So I, I sit in my chair in the corner of my living room, and I flip through books. I mean, should I use the Celtic Book of Daily Prayer? And if I do, should I use Volume 1 or Volume 2? Volume 1 has better daily readings, but it's also a lot about ancient Irish monks, which I don't find that moving. I mean, what about Shane's, Shane Claiborne? There's a whole liturgy called the Common Prayer Book for Ordinary Radicals. I really like that prayer book, except there are always some sort of shockingly conservative parts. Shouldn't I do something, some prayer practice that has fewer words? I mean, I talk all the time, and I listen to podcasts all the time. Language, language, isn't silence what I need? And if I'm going to do silence, is eight minutes enough silence, or is that embarrassingly short? 
I'm short on time, but it's not like eight minutes is that much time saving over 10 minutes. 15 minutes now that I'm quiet, am I letting my, float, my thoughts float away the way I'm supposed to? Like I'm sitting by a river and watching them drift away? Am I doing it right? Here's the thing, I don't actually feel guilty about my spiritual practices or lack thereof. Usually I don't feel guilty. I don't even worry that much about getting it wrong. The thing that motivates me, the thing that drives all of these questions, the internal nattering, is based in the fact that I want more. I want more grounding, more connecting with God. I want more remembering who I am and what God calls me to. And I don't mean just capital C calls me to like being a pastor. I mean call like we all have. The call to exist in our bodies in this world, loving other people and loving God and receiving God's love, the call to just be and not only to do, and also the call to do things that stir us to act out of love. And by the time the nattering in my brain has quieted, the timer has gone off, and more often than not, I'm running behind for the day and I'm off to the next thing. So here we are at another Lent with the promise and possibility of a meaningful spiritual season. But this year we want to think about what could be possible, not only if we take on something new or give up something old, but what's possible if we pay attention to the spiritual practices that we are already doing, sometimes without noticing. Last summer, the very end of July, my friend dropped me off at a trailhead in Wisconsin. I compulsively looked at a bunch of trail maps. I had taken screenshots of them on my phone so that if I lost, lost signal, I wouldn't get lost. I filled my little late, lightweight pack with more things than I could ever need or use. What if I was faster than I planned? What if I had time to write or read? Maybe both. Even though I had done the math repeatedly on how long it would take me to hike an easy five miles and meet up with my friend where she would be sitting by a lake writing and relaxing. We drove the long way around to find our meeting spot and then doubled back around to the trailhead. I used the outhouse just in case, you know. And finally, finally, my friend drove away to find her beach spot. And I was on the path. It started uh, as a trail mown through tall grass that was tangled with wildflowers. It passed almost right away through a little shady place, but then it came out into a meadow that stretched ahead of me, a mostly packed dirt path through Queen Anne's Lace and Black-Eyed Susans and some tall, clovery-looking ones. There were scrubby sumac trees and ones that I was pretty sure were aspens. The hot smell of the sun on the grasses and the dirt rose up around me and I didn't put in my earbuds to listen to a podcast or talk to a friend on the phone. Almost right away, I teared up thinking, this is what I love. Or maybe, this is who I am. For about the first three miles, I didn't see anyone. I passed through that first meadow and then another one. And I tried to avoid the wet places, but about a mile in, I stepped in to this mud up to my ankle, over the top of my shoe, and pulled my shoe out, 
sucking effort. There was nothing for it, so I just laughed. And beyond the meadow were these low, rolling hills, and I was charmed by the path turning again and again, past where I could see it, into more flowers. I took a bunch of pictures that I knew would turn out to be boring, and they did. My eyes filled up with tears again and again, but you know I'm a crier. Where have I been? Way before last year, I have known about the forest preserves and prairie preserves around Chicago. In fact, for the past few years, every new year, I put it on my list as a goal. I should spend more time in the forest preserves. But whenever I had a day off, it didn't make sense to me to take the time or gas. Was I going to drive an hour away just to walk for an hour? I mean, I've always been a walker. I love long distances and walking easily with my arms swinging at a pretty good clip. But can't I walk around here? After that little hike last summer, after experiencing what it did for me, just an easy five-mile hike, I started to make it a priority. Back home from Wisconsin, I found out through a different friend about a website. I, I can't remember if I've talked about this here. A website called Chicago Nature Now, with an exclamation point and all capital letters, like now. It's a very dogmatic, nature-loving podcast. I mean, uh, website. It's a site managed by volunteers. Its sole mission is to alert people from mid-April through mid-September to where they can see national park quality blooming events. This is like a wildflower hunter's website throughout the greater Chicagoland area. In a lifetime of pretty nerdy interests, this is way up there. Also, I got an app that is specifically for identifying wildflowers. It's also up there. About the same time, that app is frequented by people who like to gently correct one another's wildflower uh, identifications. I'm pleased to say I don't actually have a profile. I don't correct other people's flower identifications. But I do indeed take pictures of wildflowers and try to figure out what they are. I started last summer taking myself to area forest and prairie preserves, making my choice based on weather and distance and travel time and my time and, yes, blooming events. Labor Day weekend alone, I hit three different parks. And each one, after all of the possibly compulsive planning and map checking and letting friends know where I'd be when I got there, I got quiet. The smell of hot dirt, the sun on grasses. Sometimes it's more wonderful than others. Sometimes the path turns out to be right next to a giant power plant that didn't make it onto the PDF of the trail map. Sometimes the sound of O'Hare is distracting. Once I took the wrong path and ended up mostly wondering if I was deeply on private property in Skokie. Many of these places are near or in Skokie. But in recognizing what was possible in this maybe boring, maybe nerdy, gas-guzzling little practice, I began to prioritize it. I began to treat it with importance. But even then, I didn't think of it as a spiritual practice. Honestly, I didn't think of it as a spiritual practice until we started to think about Lent this year. I said something to Evan and Vince about it. I describe it as my nascent state park phase. And weirdly, it was the first time Vince had heard anything about it. You know, weird because I am a talker. And as I started to describe it in staff meetings, sure enough, I teared up. Crier. And then the staff meeting went on. But in the back of my mind, I started to think about the fact that spring is coming. 
and I started to wonder about how soon I'll get back out there. My help does not come from the hills. It doesn't come from hiking or the smell of hot dirt, the sun on my shoulders and on the grasses. My help doesn't come from walking a labyrinth or morning devotions or practicing Sabbath or hospitality or going to silent retreats. My help, our help, comes from God, the one who made heaven and earth. God who is my keeper, God who doesn't sleep, God who is our shade, God who is our path twisting between the wildflowers, God who keeps track of our comings and goings from this time on, near and far, now and always. And the trick of it, maybe the only trick of it, is to remember that God is always there. Remember it so we can know it. At some point, I got it in my head wrong about spiritual practices, about the ones that count, so that even with my expanded sense of the possible practices beyond morning devotion, I missed some of the places where God is most present to me, or I, I missed some of the places where I most easily notice that God is present to me. Because like the psalmist, I believe we're surrounded by God. The God who is with us, the maker, the mover, the guide, the path, the desire to go, the curiosity, the love, the tearing up, the beauty, the stillness, the ground, the groundedness, the keeper, the protector, the alert one who stays awake, mindful of it all. This isn't a sermon to say you should go out in nature and find God. It's a sermon to ask, where does your help come from? Or, more specifically, what allows you to remember where your help comes from? Oh, five-mile Wisconsin hike last summer got a little bit harder, but never difficult. Once the path hit the woods, the path got steeper, but also cooler, while I got sweatier. I did lose phone signal, and I did run into first one and then a second person. But step, 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 with nothing to do but that and nowhere to go but straight ahead. No way to contact my friend when I realized it was going to take me longer than I had planned with all the careful math. I was alone and quiet, my right shoe soggy, in my body given back to myself. My racing thoughts gone still, given back eyes to see the world around me, ears to just listen to the world that God loves. The open sky above me, the grass blowing in such an ordinary way, and the path turning ahead. <laughs> 